Oh, friends, in all the places I get to visit around the world, and that's why I say near Edmonton or Western Canada, because folks in Singapore or Africa or some of these far places don't know St. Albert, but it is so good to be home. This is home for me, and... Uh, it's true. Uh, it was a long time ago when I served here. The dinosaurs were still walking around and the earth's crust was cooling. But it is always a delight to come back to Sturgeon Valley. And uh, this morning, even as I came in, I, w- I walked down the sidewalk out here and one of those uh, uh, windows there was my office back in the day. This part of the, the sanctuary wasn't even here in those days. And this last week, I took a walk with Dad down memory lane, and we walked by Paul Kane High School. You're not taking very, very good care of that. And walked by the cafeteria, it's still there, where I remember as a young boy first going to church and setting up chairs every Sunday morning, and the tables needed to be moved, and the chairs set out. And Ron Awaziak and Harvey Albrecht were doing sound and they invited a little boy there to come and sit and learn to turn the dials. And Sunday school, Marion, Marion Hunger, first Sunday school teacher that I remember. And Gordon Hunger, I've been to visit Gordon. So I just say, praise God and thank you for the great legacy of this church and as just one of the small pieces that God has sent out into the world. I honor and thank you. And I am so glad to meet new friends here. So many of you wonder who is this character that Pastor Tom is talking about. And it's so good to meet new friends who are here too. And praise the Lord for all the Lord is doing here. So let me uh, look up here. I like to use cityscapes in photographs as I speak about the world. And I entitled this message, An Unfinished Task. An Unfinished Task. Take two. Well, why take two? Because what I did was the, I went back and checked the last time I was here. I went and found my notes. It was in 2018, before the COVID Uh, changes and restrictions and so forth. And what I checked was that this was the message, actually. This is, I found my slide. There it is. It was called a task unfinished. But not only is the task unfinished, we'll talk about missions, my sermon was unfinished. Because as the special service went uh, that morning, Tiffany Neufeld was getting ready to depart. And so we adapted, and I didn't finish it. So I'm back to finish what I started Maybe, because I've got a lot of notes this morning too. We'll see whether I get through it this time, Pastor Tom. But let, let's see. This is why I, I, uh, I like pictures and an unfinished bridge. That's how I'd like to think with you this morning about the Great Commission. The work that the Lord has given us as his people, the church, what he has given us to do. And we don't want to miss the fact that many faithful people have been at it for a long time faithfully. We stand on the shoulders of many faithful ones who have gone before us, and yet it's not done yet. And so now is our opportunity, our season, our time to share in God's great work. And when I say global, it begins right with a local church on Woodlands Road, in your case, and then extends uh, to the nations. So an unfinished task, that's what we have in in mind, and we'll talk about it. I'll just mention this quick. um, A lot of things I would love to share, won't have time for this morning. If you would like to join tomorrow evening, 
in the fireside room, a very casual time. We'll put on decaf and have some snacks. And I've got a bit of a family update for those of you that may know the Magwits. And um, we'll talk about some trends in global missions and, as well and see how the Lord is moving forward. So that's, uh, whether you know us or not, you're most welcome to come and enjoy just a short time together tomorrow evening. When we finished at Sturgeon Valley, uh, Christmas 1995 was the end of our in-person ministry here, and we had the cantata with uh, the choir in those days. I helped lead the music. I said to the music team this morning, because it's a long time ago, I was the first music guy to bring drums into Sturgeon Valley Baptist Church. It was quite a day, and it turned out all right. Um, when we left, we had a little boy in our arm, and we headed off for Ukraine and then Russia. Uh, this is what we looked like then. That's our first prayer card. And we ended up way out in Siberia in a city called Krasnoyarsk. And we served there in a small Bible school. I was a teacher at a Bible school, and we helped equip, equip believers. Before we lived in Russia, though, we lived in a city called Kiev, Ukraine. You've heard Kiev in the news, I know, in the last year or so. Some of what I'll report tomorrow night will be what God is doing in Ukraine, if you'd like to hear a bit more about that. But this is what our family looks like just a couple of years ago. The little boy in my arm in the previous photo is now the groom in this picture. And we have a lovely daughter-in-law and uh, our son on the outside, uh, Tim, and our daughter, Anna. Uh, this was last Father's Day. This is how the Lord has blessed us since we served here in St. Albert. And I'll share a little bit more tonight, uh, tomorrow night, rather, to uh, catch up. This is also my first visit back to Sturgeon Valley since Mom Magwood, my dear mom, was called home to heaven. Really suddenly, it's almost uh, two years ago, two years ago this week, in fact, and I just wanted to say thank you to our church family for the kindnesses and the love that you have extended uh, to our family and especially to my dad. Love you, dad. And we remember with great fondness Grandma Magwood, and we know that... Uh, we are not the only family that has faced loss as well. And uh, the Anderson family, the Albrecht family, the Baxter family, and, and others. But we do not grieve as those two do not have hope. Amen? And our citizenship is in heaven, and we await our Savior, or he will come and collect us when the time is right. Amen? Amen. So we look forward with the hope of heaven. And we do have this, we have abundant life and joy available to us. And in fact, my dad has said now many times in my hearing, he said, you know, Rob, I know that I was always a good grandpa, and now I am a great grandfather. <laughs> and so we have this added delight of a little one in our family, and uh, thank the Lord for his goodness to us. This is another cityscape. You may recognize it. This is the city of Kiev, Ukraine. For five years, this was our home, and we were seeing the Lord advance his work in great ways. Uh, just one of the ways that I like to share about is Kiev Theological Seminary. I was a, an, a, 
an instructor, we'll say, at Kiev Theological Seminary during our time. And out of all of the things that have unfolded in Kiev, there are Chinese students studying now at Kiev Theological Seminary and graduating and reaching Chinese people that have come to Ukraine, if you can imagine that, the way the global world works these days. Of course, last year, war came to Ukraine, and I would ask you to join us in praying that the war would end every day, we pray, that the Lord would, excuse me, bring an end to the hostilities there, but we also want you to know that the Lord is at work in these times. And as you know, perhaps in your life, when difficult times come, that's when the Lord really stretches us, grows us, and invests in us. And so we have seen, this is one of our pastor friends there uh, in the front, the church has extended hospitality and generosity and great faith. It's very humbling to see the men who were my students when I was in Kiev, young men. We sat, I remember we watched the, the World Cup in our living room because we were the only ones with a television and we watched the World Cup with these seminary students. And now God has placed them as faithful pastors and he leads the church through these young men and women. It is an honor to serve with them. We've helped a great deal with getting food and supplies and clothes for the winter. The winter is passing now, of course. We make sure that gospel literature goes out with it. And we created something called the Help Ukraine Fund. Some of you have contributed to that. And we say thank you on behalf of the church in Ukraine. These are some of the locations that we've been able to get help to through the SENS Help Ukraine Fund because of the networks of students that came to study and we, and we participated with them and helped equip them. And then they're sent out across the country. So God is at work. Please pray for the end. But pray for the faithfulness of God's people. Uh, Regularly, people are coming to Christ. Under duress, they look for hope and faith, and they've come to the church and received the good news. And we hear of baptisms, churches packed to capacity and beyond. And so we thank the Lord for the way he's at work there. I'll share a bit more about that tonight. This organization, SEND, that uh, Pastor Tom mentioned, this is our mission statement, a global movement because we have members inside SEND, those 500 missionaries come from 18 different countries to make up SEND, Canada being one of those, of Jesus followers, that's what unites us, so we come from different places but we're all Jesus followers, we exist as an organization to help make disciples and we focus among the unreached. It's our simple mission statement, and I, I like to use this slide because we're using it in other languages now. This is Vietnamese, for example, and we have Vietnamese missionaries serving inside SEND, taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. I checked to make sure, Pastor Tom, just to make sure we were aligned, actually, and I, I went on to the Sturgeon Valley Baptist Church website. And I did see the work that you've been wrestling with to articulate a vision going forward. This is actually the mission statement here. Sturgeon Valley exists to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ at home and internationally. Send exists to make disciples among the unreached. It's absolutely aligned. And so when I had coffee with both Pastor Serge on, uh, well, that was Friday or, or Thursday, and then lunch with Pastor Tom, we just talked about how the Magwoods, and Tiffany, I'll come to that in just a moment, are an extension of your ministry here. 
And that's the way we hope you see it. We thank you for your many investments, including financial support to the Magwoods and to Tiffany, as we extend the ministry of Sturgeon Valley Baptist Church uh, to the nations. Now, we exist to mobilize. I'll just leave that one there just for a moment. I'm going to come around again. We exist to mobilize God's people to engage the unreached in order to help establish reproducing churches. That's our mission statement. And I put this picture up first because it's a lovely church, and when you think of church planting, we think of a church. Sturgeon Valley has a beautiful building here. This is another one. But this isn't what we have in mind when we say church planting. Often we're thinking of churches, church plants, and it looks more like this, at least initially. Where this, and they say it looks like what? There it is. Small groups of people, initially two or three or four people, coming together around God's word, opening it, and learning from Genesis to Revelation that there is a God in heaven who is present, who is aware, who is interested, who cares, and who has given his son. This is the gospel. Our Lord Jesus came and lived a sinless life and in the fullness of time died on a cross paying the price for the sins of anyone who would receive him, was dead and buried for three days, and on the third day gloriously rose to new and eternal life, and is now at the right hand of the Father, and will work things all to his finish. And we have the opportunity to be part of that in St. Albert, and throughout Canada, and around the world. Establishing reproducing churches, how are we doing at this? Very quickly, I want to just look at the world, and, and uh, we will come to God's Word, but I'd just like to give you a quick smattering of information. How's it going in global missions? So the Joshua Project is a resource I would recommend to you that gives us information country by country or people group by people group about the access to the gospel. Who has the opportunity to go to church, for example? And out of the population of all, about 8 billion people, they've divided the world's population into three colors. Green representing the part of the world that is significantly reached and the church is mature. There are churches there, and sometimes there will be Sunday schools and Awana programs, and, and the church is stable, so to speak. Then in yellow, there's a section that is somewhat reached, and still benefits from outside help. Other, other churches in other countries can come and serve and assist. And then the red represents those places in the world that have very limited access to the gospel, may not have churches that meet openly. I would add that very often in just about every country, there are some tiny bodies of Christ. God is there at work. But unreached means that that church benefits from assistance outside. Missionaries going to the red is a priority. And so these pie pieces are actually representative. They're accurate, 40% roughly, significantly reached, 16 or 17% somewhat reached, still benefiting from outside help, and unreached. There's still a lot of work to be done. There's still plenty of need to send missionaries. In these days, we sometimes wonder, do we really need to send missionaries anymore? We do have a lot of new friends, new Canadians who have come to our shores and settle in our neighborhoods. And you'll see in a few minutes, my answer is both and yes. We want to reach those who have come to us. And yet, 
we still want to be sending workers as well. If we were to take these three colors and spread it in people groups around the globe, it's a little bit uh, light there, but maybe you can see North America is on the left side there down to South America. The dots, green, yellow, and red, represent people groups according to those three colors. And so you can see that there are still many, many places where there is limited access to the good news of the gospel. We thank the Lord for radio waves and for internet. We thank the Lord for Twitter and Facebook. Does anybody thank the Lord for TikTok? Or... But kidding aside, we are using these tools to open conversations, sometimes in places where an unbeliever is not comfortable with anyone else knowing that they're curious about Christianity, and they want to inquire, and so some of those social media avenues are what we're using to open the conversations, and what we do is we cultivate those conversations appropriately, and then in time, we will ask, would you like to meet a Christ follower in person? We can help set up a meeting and have a coffee, and it's wonderful to use these tools, so it's a balance. It's always both ends. Can we wisely use these things? I've got to press on, or I'm going to need take three, I think, Pastor Tom. Take two. Does anyone recognize this city? I had it up before. There isn't anything too distinctive. There's no Big Ben or Eiffel Tower or anything in this city. But this is the biggest city in the world. The most populous city in the world. This is Tokyo. Do you know anyone in Tokyo? Do you know anyone in Japan? This is a, uh, I, w I would like to take you to Japan because you know a missionary in Japan and of course that's where Tiffany is serving. And uh, I actually wrote to her this week. Uh, let me come to that in just a second. But a few facts about Japan, this wonderful city. Uh, Japan is not a city, Japan is a country, this wonderful country. And Tiffany sent some pictures this week. You can see how she has settled into the community. She's got special friends there. She doesn't seem to be taking it too seriously all the time, which we think is good. And we are delighted to uh, have her on our team. These are some quick facts. I, I thought the pictures of uh, Tiffany came after this. Some facts about Japan. Total population, 124 million. The main religions there, Buddhism and ethnic religions, although Buddhism is by far the majority of anyone who considers themselves religious in Japan. Evangelical Christians estimated to be somewhere around half of 1%. That's probably generous in the statistics. Very small group of Christ followers there. The status is unreached. If we were to take the colors from Joshua Project, Japan is a red country. It's a red people group. That's a better way to say it. The Japanese are the second largest unreached people group in the world, ethnically. And the cost of living, of course, is very high. We appreciate so much that you have helped send Tiffany there. She writes this, Hello, SVBC family. I miss you all dearly and can't believe it's been a year since I last was with you. It is a true blessing to be able to serve in my gifts on your behalf in Japan, and I'm very grateful for your prayers and love. I could not be doing this without you. Love, Tiffany. So thank you for your faithful support in prayer and finances for um, Tiffany serving there. This is a picture of her with some of our board of directors, and uh, she, together with a missionary couple, were being um, uh, appointed, we call it, the 
Sin does not commission missionaries, the church does. And the last time we were here, I just about pulled a picture of that out too, Tom. It was right down here where Tiffany stood and her family with her and then the church came around her. So thank you for commissioning and sending her. This is Paul Suzuki. He's our Japan area director and he also wrote and said this, Dear SVBC, thank you for sending Tiffany to Japan. Tiffany now serves as our Send Japan treasurer, using her gifts and abilities to bear, uh, bear for the furtherance of the gospel. Something I didn't get the typo there. Sorry, Paul. Japan is one of Send's bigger fields, so Tiffany has her hands full and is doing a good job in bringing clarity and needed improvements to our field systems. What this means, it's a healthy thing happening in missions. Young people are coming into our organizations. Praise the Lord. Amen. We still need you, young people. For those who are gathering talents together and getting experience like accounting, it is needed in God's work. And so I just mean to plant seeds of ideas how the Lord uses all kinds of gift sets. Paul writes this, we praise God for young missionaries like Tiffany who have sacrificed a lot to join our team here and pray that God will continue to make his glory known in a country that remains very unreached. Sincerely in Christ, Paul Suzuki. Well, that's the, what I wanted to bring by way of introduction. Japan is just incredibly overwhelming at times, visually, people-wise. For every person in Canada, you can imagine approximately... Well, every person in North America, you can approximate 10 more, 10 people in Asia. It's a 10 to 1 ratio of people. Very close, very expensive to live, very clean, very modern, and very, in some ways, very sad place. Very high suicide rate, especially among young people, without hope and the pressure of how to proceed in their culture. This is the subway system, a map of the subway system in Tokyo. Uh, if you'd ever like to have a visit, just email me ahead of time and you can study this in advance. Um, we do just pray for this great city representative of a great country. And this is where I am going to pause to pray for Japan and for Tiffany with you. But I just want to change this slide. I found another picture. This one's dark. And from almost the same place, I found a picture that looks like this. The sun rising over Tokyo. And so, just before I share a few more thoughts, would you join with me? As Pastor Lyle said, join your heart with my heart. And let's pray for Tiffany and for Japan and that the sun would rise in Japan. Lord, this morning we thank you for your servants who are helping to extend your kingdom. And we pray particularly for Tiffany this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you raised her up as a little girl in this very church and prepared her with gifts and talents for numbers. And you have laid on her heart and on the hearts of people in this church to send her out. So this morning, Lord, with joy, we lift her up to you and pray for your blessing on her. We ask, Lord, that you would encourage her heart. I know she's learning a lot of things in that accounting system right now. And even as Paul said, she's bringing innovation. She's bringing new ideas that will improve the systems there. How we thank you. Lord, we pray for the Newfeld family here, especially Ken and Nancy, and ask, Lord, that as they live in Canada, that you would bless them 
as they have released one of their precious ones to serve in this way. And Father, encourage our hearts as we share in the ministry by helping to send her, by praying for her, by financially supporting her. And we pray that there would be beautiful fruit. And while Tiffany learns Japanese, we ask that you would open her ears to hear and understand and loose her tongue to speak it, to shape those very different sounds. Thank you for the community around her. And we pray that because of her work in the finance office, that the dozens of church planting missionaries would be able to do their work well without needing to be concerned about the accounting and the finances. So thank you that we can lift her up to you and we pray that you would watch over her even this day in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I would like to share just one of the handlebars that I had in mind. We talked about the bridge is not finished. So when I talk about missions, I like to talk about handlebars on a bicycle. The safest way, the best way to ride a bike is to have both hands on the handlebars. And if you take one off, there's a risk that you can pull one way or the other, and you can get yourself in trouble. I remembered this when I was uh, on Grenfell Avenue this week with my dad, and I was walking up the hill toward our old house, and there's a lamppost there on the right-hand side that I remember very well. Because Mom had asked me to pick up some groceries down at Safeway, which is gone now too. And I was riding home and I had a bag of groceries in my arm, riding my bike, but to go up the hill to our place, I had really had to pump on that bike and, and I had one arm full of groceries and one hand on the handlebars. And so as I pumped, I had my head down and I pumped hard and hard and fast. I got to get up this hill and I looked up and the light post was right in front of me. And I almost missed it. So I, I actually took a picture of it this week. I plowed into the light post. It's best to keep both hands on the handlebars. When we think theologically, sometimes that's going to be very helpful to us. The responsibility of man and the sovereignty of God in theology, we need to have both hands on the handlebars. Good works and faith, we need to have both hands on the handlebars. So you understand what I mean. In missions, we need to keep both hands on the handlebars too. And that's what I want to talk about just quick this morning with you. These handlebars in missions come out of the Great Commission where we say all authority, Jesus says this, all authority has been given to me in heaven on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So in this task unfinished, I'll talk about these handlebars very briefly, senders and goers. So if Tiffany is a goer, this is the way I like to say it, the goer is the person who lays down their life in one place in order to be a message bearer and take the message of the good news to someone else. They are the goers, that's Tiffany in this case, and a photo that Kath and I had with her, it's now just a few years ago, and then there are the senders, those who pray and support and support financially and love on missionaries. Which is more important, the goer or the sender? Both, right? This is part of God's design that we have both. So what I mean by this is that you are senders in God's purposes. 
In Tiffany's example, it's a fine example, that you are taking part in the Great Commission and there is a role for every Christ follower, every church, to participate in God's global work. Sometimes when I'm speaking in a church, people will say, well, Mags, Rob, I'm not a goer. I'm not going to go to Africa. I'm not going to go to Japan, so it's not really relevant to me. Not true. It's relevant to anyone, no matter our age or our gender or the, the background that we have. There is a role for each of us to share in God's work as goers and senders both. This comes from Romans when Paul is writing to his friends in the Roman church. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen? Amen. And then he asks a series of questions. How then can they, unreached people, call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in Jesus if they haven't heard of him? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? All makes sense? The last question comes to you. Jill, maybe you can help me. Thank you. There it is. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? So thank you, Sturgeon Valley, for sending out mission workers like Tiffany. There's another passage that I like to uh, tuck in when we think about this. It's biblical to think of yourself, myself, as either a goer, which will be the minority of us, or as a sender, who comprise the majority, actually. In God's purposes, there are more senders than goers. In Philippians, one more verse I'd just like to bring out. Paul is writing to his friends in Philippi, and it's basically a missionary thank you letter that he's sending to them, and he writes this, having received a donation from his friends in Philippi. He says, How'd that get in there? There it is. I'm sorry, guys. Somehow the clicker. I have received full payment and more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you have sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, and pleasing to God. My point here is that it was those who financially supported the mission who gave an offering to God. It was their act of worship to support missions. That makes sense? Yeah. So thank you for sharing in that. You saw the picture already, and uh, I put this in here quick. This is Bedhead Buddies. Um, the reason I tucked this in there is because I am realizing that I'm getting older and I'm a grandpa. The last time I went to my eye doctor, he said, this is the last time that you're going to have single vision lenses. Anyone been down this road? Show me a hand if you have progressive lenses. Yes, a few of us here. So I've had mine for only a week or two, still adjusting a little bit. But what it means is I look at a lot of the same things, but I have a different range of focus in my glasses now. And that's what I mean by this next one. The second set of handles is, should we do missions locally or globally? And I would like to suggest that we need progressive lenses to look at missions. I, standing here, speaking about the world and people groups in faraway places, do not want to diminish at all that our mission is right here. You are a lighthouse 
for St. Albert, Alberta. Amen? Hope and truth are here, and you have been placed into neighborhoods and schools and business places so that you can be salt and light. So I don't want to be misunderstood as saying, well, if I'm a sender and I help send Tiffany to Japan, I'm finished. We are sent and we are to do local and global missions. Let's go to the book of Acts for a moment. In Acts 1.8, Jesus is speaking to his disciples after the resurrection, and he says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Sometimes people have misunderstood this verse to say, we need to do our missions first in Jerusalem. That was the city that the the disciples were familiar with. They were comfortable there. They knew the places. They knew the customs. And when we finished that, completed that, and it's perfectly done, then we'll go on to Judea and Samaria, and we'll finish the mission there. And when we're finished that, and it's completely undertaken, and churches have been established there, then we move on to the ends of the earth. But that's not what our Lord Jesus meant. These are meant to be layered on top of each other, not sequential, but happening at the same time. So what I like to do in small group studies, let's imagine we're in a small group Bible study, okay? Just for a moment, I say, if we were to take this verse and put it into our day, 2023, what does it look like then? So we say Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Jerusalem was their city. Judea and Samaria, the immediate regions around them, and then the ends of the earth. If we were to put that into our day, Jerusalem would be St. Albert and Edmonton, perhaps, Western Canada. (laughs) Actually, that probably comes next. What would be Judea and Samaria? Alberta, Canada, and the ends of the earth? What's the ends of the earth going to be? Still the ends of the earth. You're exactly right. What I mean to say is that we, this progressive lens, we need to look at missions with this idea that it all applies still. And we are still called as Christ followers to share in God's work here and around the world. I came across a, I was reminded yesterday of a recommended resource. I met the gentleman, Rick Love, at Mission Fest yesterday. I've interviewed him twice on the Global Missions podcast, and he has started a ministry in Calgary called lovenewcanadians.ca. You can find it. This is his uh, tagline, equipping churches and God's people for ministry with immigrants. He has assembled resources, curriculum that can be used, guidelines, how you can help people that have just arrived. If you have neighbors that have just arrived into your neighborhood and you would like to begin to engage with them, especially if they're new to Canada, Tremendous resources there. Um, I just highly recommend that uh, to you as you consider how to reach out right here in Canada, in Western Canada. I understand that faithful missions work can take place near to home and far from home, but the majority of believers, unbelievers, excuse me, still live far from here. I mentioned Asia. If we take all the population of North America... The biggest cities you can think of, New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, Atlanta, and bundle in all our big Canadian cities, Toronto, Vancouver, Calgary. What percentage of the world's population do you think North America represents? Just just for interest, don't be shy. What percentage of the world's population? 
I heard three. It's close. We can go about as high as five, five percent, whereas 60 percent of the world's population lives in Asia. That's that 10 to 1 ratio we were talking about before. We still need to send missionaries out, friends. So, Sturgeon Valley, would you continue to pray that the Lord would raise up workers to go up and out from your community here? The last set of handlebars, short-term missions or long-term missions? Which should we do? I would submit both. I was on the website of Sturgeon Valley last uh, this week, and I listened to part of last week's message and looked at some of the notes, and I learned about a young man who went on a short-term mission, and it made a significant impact in his life. Pastor Tom shared. I'm assuming it was Pastor Tom because it was your notes. <laughs> it was a, uh, a ch- uh, an event that took him on a short-term mission, and it included on that short-term mission, a new discipline in his life of Bible intake and quiet devotional time. It might have not been entirely new, but it became a habit at that time. And he said, that time with God for the 60 or so days that we had that summer changed my life, Pastor Tom's life. It was on a short-term mission. Uh, it was mentioned in the, in the bio. Cass and my first experience was in short-term missions. We are big fans of short-term missions. Let's do it well. We need to think carefully about how we do it. And my suggestion to any church is, how can you link short-term mission with your long-term missionaries? Would you think, for example, about sending a team to Japan and joining Tiffany and the crew in Japan? linking together the short term with what you know and support already. I know there are other initiatives as well. It was great to be at Mission Fest. I saw Cindy Lou and Hazel and Dave Murray involved in missions of different sorts, um, reaching out to kids, especially in Latin America. Would you consider integrating the short term with the long term and keep both hands on the handlebars as we go about missions together? So these are some of the ideas I just wanted to uh, share with you with regard to missions I was really struck that uh, uh, Pastor Tom's journey was impacted by a short-term mission as well. We want to continue to do it. And here's where the last idea, I'll just take you to Southeast Asia and finish with this story. We have some friends in Southeast Asia who are doing long-term missions. They have learned the language, they've learned the culture, and they are highly regarded in that location. It's an M people group, M for Muslim. And what they have done is reached a university campus where they have started a tutoring program so that students who are coming from the Muslim tribes can up their grades to get into the university. Because of the credibility that they had on the campus, the president of the university has invited them to have a location and they actually built a physical facility and they now have tutoring classes and their entrance rate for their their, uh, the students that are tutoring is over 97%. These Muslim students are able to get into the university, which begins to lift the economy locally and the impression of the Muslim leaders. Those students go back to their tribes who are spread out from that city and say, you know, we've met these uh, Christians and they're, they're really nice people. And the Christians have learned that out in the villages, there are, uh, there are medical needs 
And so the long-term missionaries came back to their churches like Sturgeon Valley and said, are there any nurses or doctors or dentists who would do a short-term mission? And they went back to the Philippines short-term to integrate with the long-term missionaries and to go to the villages and began to do clinics there. Well, while the clinics are there, of course, there's a translator for a nurse or a dentist. But the missionaries are there, and in the waiting room, they get a chance to visit with everyone and to share the good news and to share hope and peace and life and truth. And it goes on and on because these long-term missionaries are integrated with the talents and skills that are in the body of Christ week in and week out here. So may I ask you to be open to perhaps a short-term mission and you've thought of yourself as a sender primarily, but maybe the Lord would use you as a goer. Jill, would you just take me to the last slide there? I'd like to close with this question, and, and uh, I'll invite Amber and the worship team. Would you come and join me, and we'll, we'll close. These handlebars. I wonder whether you would take from these handlebars goers and senders, local and global, short-term and long-term. Would you just take a moment and identify one idea that you'd like to take away from this morning? Something that you don't want to forget from what you heard this morning. Would you just take a moment and identify that? And maybe it's an action that you're going to need to think about again. Take a step forward. Take a step of faith. If I or send can be of any help or assistance in thinking through things, without obligation, it doesn't need to be about send at all. But if I can be of help, please reach out or reach out right to the office and we're just connected right through so that we can help explore those things together. I'd like to pray together. Thank you so much for hearing this report, for praying for missions. And uh, yeah, let's bring this all to the Lord and we'll close. Well, Father, thank you for the opportunity this morning to muse again, to think together about your global work. And again, we want to acknowledge right here in Woodlands and Sturgeon and Grandin and Aikensdale, these wonderful communities where you've placed your people. We ask, Father, that you would help us to be salt and light. For those who are students, Lord, I pray, whether they're in junior high here in this room or senior high, grade school, university, would you give them a sense of purpose and mission as your daughters and sons and to be representatives there And for those of us who who are working in our workplaces and all of us have homes and neighborhoods or we live in a hallway in an apartment building, Lord, we are your people and we desire to take your gospel forward. We thank you that we can think about mission here. We can think about missions in the far places. Raise up more workers, Lord. I pray that right from Sturgeon Valley here, you would raise up more missionaries to go and to faithfully take your message to the unreached. Thank you for this time together. Encourage our hearts as we seek to honor you in Jesus' strong name. Amen. Amen.